Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Nasir Qadri, founder and managing partner at Zeal Capital Partners. Listen now to learn more about Nasir and the role he plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Greetings, everyone. My name is Troy Lamel Stovall. I'm the CEO of Tedco Maryland's Innovation Hub. Um, I, first of all, I got to say uh, I am. Um, uh, we're taping this uh, on the Friday before Labor Day, um, and a couple of things with that. One is it's it's right before uh, my anniversary, my one year anniversary. So I'm regrettably having to give up my rookie card. I've been playing my rookie card for the last year, so I'm have to get it up. I have to find another reason to say stupid things. But I'm, I'm wearing white. Because, you know, I don't know who made this rule up, Nasir, but, you know, you post up, you know, not wear white at the label. I'm not quite sure who made this silly rule up, but I decided for you, my brother, I was going to wear all white as we as we get as we go into to the Labor Day weekend. So I am here today with um, as, as we kick off this kind of my second year in this next round of Tetco Talks with a, a young man who has an amazing career. But more importantly, he is he is one of the frankly few black men in this country who is running and controlling and has raised a venture capital fund of, of means. And so I am couldn't be happier uh, to hear to be uh, uh, with Nasir Cadre of Zeal Capital. You'll learn more about Zeal Capital here in a minute. But Nasir, thank you for, for spending some time with me today. Troy, it's great to see you. Great to be with you. Congratulations on your one year anniversary. You know, my, my grandmother would always often say, you know, ask for forgiveness later. So you... I Wearing the uh, the all white, you can wear all white after next week. You, you still you do your thing, but, um, but no, the, the work you're leading seriously, it, it's it's admirable and it's so important, especially in the state of Maryland, where there's just so much innovation. We're we're seeing on, on our side on the venture side, so just excited mm-hmm. to to share why we believe in in ecosystems like like Maryland uh, that that uh, where entrepreneurs deserve a fair swing of the plate at capital and other resources. Absolutely. So yeah, we're gonna learn about Zeal, but let's let's a little bit about about Nasir. So um, this young man is, uh, you know, we'll learn about his venture capital, his investment role. But you know, he's he's a DJ and he's a marathoner. And so so we're gonna ask a couple of questions around around both of these. So let's start with the DJ. So what's your go to? Is it are you eighties, (laughs) nineties, two thousand, twenty ten? Gotta know. Look, I, I come from a family that 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 has ingrained soul, jazz, house music in me. And uh, if you know anything about Frankie Knuckles, DJ, Spoon, uh, you know anything yeah. about Donald Byrd and Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder, um, that's the type. And then even go in a little bit into uh, Radiohead and and John Mayer, like um, the not not the average white band. Like I mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> I think of it, uh, you know, Roy Ayers. Uh, across oh man oh come on come on with it come on and and i'm an 84 baby so i'm i'm getting into music way before my time but uh but music as an it it being uh you know one of many forms of artistry has always been something that has uh it's become also therapeutic in many ways Mm -hmm. as well especially recently over the past year but um um, DJing has been a new craft of mine that I've been leaning in and, and been really uh, excited to, to to make time for. 
So do you actually do parties? You I mean you do house parties? You know what? I I share with my my better three quarters and, and my and my friends that I do not uh that's not my my goal. My goal is to uh-huh. to, to have my moment. Even you know I've done some uh, what do you call it uh, Instagram live a few times. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, myself and maybe three other listeners. No, I'm joking, but no, it, <laughs> I, I never uh, I, I don't anticipate um, uh, you know transitioning to a, a party DJ. Just like, you know, I think they call it hotel lobby music, you know, that, that music where, you know, you can still have a nice little dialogue over some some nice, you know, soothing music. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't plan to. So what's the DJ name, brother? What's the DJ name? Everybody got to have a DJ name. Keep it simple, Troy. Nasir. DJ Nasir. Oh. We're going we gonna, to we gonna, we gonna ask our, our, our listeners to come up with some names. We're going to have them send some names. <laughs> I, 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 I'm absolutely open, but I figure, you know, I Google, is there a DJ Nasir Q in the world? And much like that, that there's no DJ, there's no Nasir Kadri in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, go ahead and maintain that. That's, that's the beauty of having a unique name. <laughs> yeah, amen on that, brother. So let's talk about marathons. I, I'm, a, I'm a runner myself. Uh, I, I've, I've done a few marathons. My wife actually has done a lot more marathons. And, um, when, you, when you're doing a marathon, wh- what in your mind is the you know, is that is, the, is that that first third, that middle third, or that final third that that really is the the, the mental, not the physical, but the mental challenge? You know, they say, and and and, and I've um, been a bear witness to it after running eighteen full marathons. That's twenty six point two miles, by the way. <laughs> um, that once you hit thirteen, that fourteen miles. Um, after that, it is straight mental. I mean, obviously, the 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 training is important, but it is such a, uh, you know, a mental mindset mm-hmm. to, to, uh, focus on that hill and focus at every step. Um, and, and, uh, and, all, and for me, you know, I, I think about what I'm raising money, what I'm, what I'm doing it for, I'm not doing it just to, just to go out because it's a hobby that I enjoy. Um, uh, and that, and the fact that it does introduce me to my worst enemy in, in terms of, you know, running a marathon is very rigorous starting a company is just as hard. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a correlation there, but I'm also running these marathons around the country to shine a spotlight on first generation college students um, who I believe people talk about the American dream. I think uh, uh, the epitome of the American dream are those who are first generation college students, those who are the first in their family to graduate from college, climbing a ladder that no one around has ever climbed before. Amen. And um, and so I'm raising a million dollars to uh, support um, FGs around the country. And half of the proceeds are going to an organization called America Needs You, uh, which is dedicated to mentorship, career development and uh, training for FGs around the country. You want to shout out the there's a, a support a website that people can go to to learn more about or to support your efforts. AmericanNeedYou.com or AmericanNeedYou.org, excuse me. Um, is where you find uh, how to become a mentor, how your ways of supporting, not just financially, but uh, your resources. Uh, I believe there's also a, 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 um, an area where you can learn more about my marathons as well. But, uh, but very, very excited to support that organization and other, and even mentees who I've uh, grown to know who are also first-generation college students um, that, uh, that, that, you know, they're climbing a ladder within their own family. So mentoring also first-generation college students and, and supporting them along, the, along their journey 
is uh, has been um, um, an area that I've I've proactively made time for. So of those eighteen marathons, which which course has been the most challenging for you? Man, I I would have to say Maine. Maine was right. tough. Maine was raining. It was cold. It was hilly oh, and all the long moments. But uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! But but it was also what what got me through. I uh, so my mom and my um, my, my mother. And I also run with, uh, I ran with a, a number of uh, close friends, which I love running with people. So it's the best, best, best races when you're able to run with people, especially your, your partner or your, or your close friends. But uh, my mother actually has, has joined me um, at about, about seven of those marathons. Oh, wow. And uh, I, what I love about when my mother joins me at the end, right before I cross the finish line, she's right there. And I just tell her to come on. And she'll we'll, we'll raise our hands together as if she ran 26.2 miles, but she's uh, essentially just getting me over the finish line and cheering, you know, yeah, celebrating another. Oh man, that's beautiful. Another race in the books, but uh, man, that's beautiful. That support that is beautiful. is so that's important. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Well, let's let's, let's learn about zeal. Um, <laughs> let's learn about zeal. So, why don't you tell folks about zeal? Because I'm just excited. Look, let me. If folks that don't know, let me set this up a little bit. I'm sure you'll do the same. Um, the venture capital world, for folks that don't know, is a very white male dominated world. Uh, just, just know the way to, to say it. And it's not trying to sound racist or anything. That's just the nature of, of the business. Um, and you literally can count um, the number of black partners at those firms. And you can literally count the number of blacks who have gone out to raise their own fund um, on their own or lead a fund like, like a Tedco. And so for, and, and what people also don't understand is when, you, when you're doing a first time fundraise, um, that's even more difficult. Normally, the way venture capital firms work is they're, they're raising fund one, then two, then three, then four, then five. And clearly, they have other people they go to. But when you're raising that first fund, you're, you're, you're not just sell, you're selling because uh, you have no technically no track record because you don't have a first fund because it's the first you don't have another fund. So you're really selling whatever you've done in the past. But more importantly, you're selling you. Uh, and, and this young man has got to go and talk to people, in many cases, that don't look like him to raise the amount of money. I don't wanna say, I want him to say the amount of money that he raised, uh, cause it's, it's an amazing figure. And so I'm very proud of what you've done cause I've been in this space long enough to know that this is an accomplishment. So congratulations to that. So again, let our folks know about Zeal. Well, first Troy, thank you for, for giving the space to, to share. Um, you're right, raising a fund is, is no small feat. Uh, raising a fund as a first-time manager, a solo general partner, um, a diverse fund manager at that, um, being headquartered in D.C. at that. Um, so, so many, um, yeah. uh, you know, buckets that, that, that one can look at and could say, good luck. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I, you know, a lot of, you know, they were, there were um, a lot of um, I told you so's in a minute in, 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 sure. in the beginning, and so um, so it is. It feels really good to um, just work tirelessly on 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 the conviction I've always had in this strategy. But um, but to your point, you know, I have spent my career talk about track record uh, over the past seven years across the private markets, more recently. 
uh, leading AT&T social investment fund, which is a $400 million investment vehicle, um, which gave me the ability to not only make direct equity investments, but much like you also have the ability to provide grant or um, mm -hmm. non-diluted capital into ESOs around the country, the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur support organizations around the country. We did that for 24 of those, all of which were outside of Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston. So that really allowed us to really rethink um, or at least lean into um, uh, secondary or flyover cities. And then also in turn, when you when you when you when you have when you build those formal partnerships, it also allows you to have a more diverse pipeline of entrepreneurs, right? So companies coming from Atlanta, from Des Moines, Iowa, to from Detroit, mm. here, in, here in, in Baltimore, in DC, in Austin. And so uh, you know, that was um, a huge competitive advantage for us couple, I mean, compared to traditional venture capitalists who were uh, in three, uh, in terms of, as we think about traditional tech hotbeds, Boston, yep. Silicon Valley, and, and New York. Uh, prior to that, I uh, was global head of education, uh, technology, uh, in their future of work practice at a firm called Village Capital, which I'm sure many of your viewers might have heard, uh, um, which is probably one of the most active global um, investment readiness and seed stage funds focusing across five different verticals, uh, healthcare, financial uh, technology or wellness, um, agriculture, energy, and then education. And I was a global head of their education technology practice, sourcing, investing, and helping scale companies from emerging markets like New Delhi, India, Nairobi, Kenya, Colombia, New Mexico, uh, Mexico City, and here in the US. And then the latter part of my time at Village Capital, I uh, led their US economic opportunity portfolio, um, essentially just expanding my lens, not just in education, but financial services and healthcare. I share this context because, you know, this experience really allowed me, Troy, to um, understand, I like to call them islands of excellence. Yes. Exemplars in terms of how other ecosystems and other emerging markets, and even here in the U.S., um, uh, rallied around their you know, entrepreneurs, um, whether it was investors or other ESOs or angel investors or think tanks, academia, uh, you know, uh, you know, state and local government, you name it. And I think, and when, and that was the, one of the key lessons learned is that everyone can help entrepreneurial ecosystems. And also more importantly, the fact that great entrepreneurs exist everywhere, everywhere. not just coming from very few places back in the same people. Yeah. And so when I, in 2019, the latter part of my time at AT&T, two of my biggest mentors um, were at the Hamilton, you know about the Hamilton in, in, <laughs> in DC. And, you know, he's sitting back there, two of my biggest philanthropic supporters for the marathon uh, fundraising that I've, that I've been um, uh, focusing on philanthropically. And he says, Nasir, talk about these, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, democratizing entrepreneurship and access to capital. You, you're, you're 34 years old at the time. Uh, you're, you're a black, uh, investor, 70 trillion under management. Only 1.3% is managed by people who look like you and women. Uh, why won't you decide to start your own fund? 
Now, unfortunately, I think this is very important to note, uh, black folk, people of color, women as well, um, have what many calls imposter syndrome. Uh, and I, I, I for sure had it very early, but also recognize my privilege because I had a pretty solid support system of mentors who was also well-respected in the industry who pushed me to encourage me to start um, what today is now Zeal. So I spent 2019, Troy, market mapping, doing analysis, um, uh, supply and demand, demand being what are the key problems that are happening from a societal and, and also uh, from a market opportunity, but also from a supply perspective, what are the companies, entrepreneurs who are building companies that, that are potentially filling these gaps? And specifically, what gaps am I referring to? Um, you know, I spent the past seven years investing in future work companies that are dedicated to narrowing the skills gap between education and employment, and then financial technology that directly supports the un and under bank. And so I thought, so I thought to myself, you know, Warren Buffett always says, you know, you stay within your competency, do that well first, yep. right? And then scale. So I felt yep. like it was, it was, it was, it was, it was important for me to 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 build an institutional fund that's built that is built that's building on top of my investment career um, and track record. And so today, Zeal Capital Partners, we went into market um, end of January, beginning of February of 2020, legal docs and yeah. everything set in set in place to um, to focus on sourcing, partnering with exceptional, diverse management teams, we mean that holistically, that's laser focused on rethinking the building blocks of wealth from education to employment pathways to financial uh, wellness that we believe turbocharges is, is pivotal in turbocharging economic mobility across the country. And so today, I think you want me to share, uh, so we are a uh, it publicly, it's where it says it was 62 million, 62, 62.1 million. Shortly after that public announcement, um, we we did increase our 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 investment to 63.2, um, and we're proud to to have early champions, early institutional uh, capital uh, corporations, particularly uh, uh, financial services and fintech companies like Truist, uh, BBNT, and SunTrust merger. PayPal, uh, who was our anchor, uh, Google, large tech giant, uh, Synchrony Financial. And I'm proud uh, and a little biased, probably my best LP is my alma mater uh, at Hampton University. So we're incorporating okay. HBCUs um, in, in the mix. We have actually historically have been left out or haven't had an opportunity to, to get into high growth uh, in, across the private market. So. Very excited to to uh, to launch Zeal, and we're already active deploying capital, um, taking a highly concentrated approach. We're not spraying and praying. Um, we want to make sure we have enough bandwidth to lean into the companies and help them get to that next stage of growth. So again, thank you, Troy, for for providing this space and just couldn't. Oh, man. man, a lot of places I want to go with, 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 with time won't let me go everywhere. But let me let me try to. Uh, one, I do want you to let's talk a little bit about HBCUs. You brought up uh, Ham, uh, Hampton, uh, the, the, the college by the sea, uh, campus by the sea. So talk home, about home by the sea, Troy. Home by the sea, home <laughs> by the sea. 
My Hamptonians will, will, will listening. They're gonna, they're, 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 they're gonna freak they're out. They're gonna freak out. Correct you. <laughs> One of my boys is already probably already gonna be texting me as soon as this comes out. Um, but talk about that the, that base that 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 gave you to to do what you do now. I think people need to hear that. I, I think it's important for people to understand two things: um, that base, but like you just said, that you know you're providing. Uh, opportunities for wealth creation, not just for yourself and, and others that are in your network, but for, for Hampton and those who, who are in that space? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. And I'm, I'm glad we're, we're bringing this to light. You know, when we think about endowments across our HBCUs, I don't care if you're a top tier uh, HBCU endowment like a Hampton or Morehouse or a Howard, et cetera, um, we, we have to rethink how we increase university endowments in HBCUs. We know uh, the 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 the, um, uh, the the roles that from a from a from a job creation perspective to a talent perspective that HBCU graduates have had across our country across the workforce. Over seventy percent of STEM uh, graduates. Uh, come black STEM graduates come from HBCUs. Over forty percent of black doctors come from HBCUs. Yep. Um, and so, when you think about the, the 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 impact that black graduates of HBCUs have had across our country, it is it is it is imperative that we maintain the health of our HBCUs. And so, outside of donations, like we. That we continue to see often, which we got to keep doing that. And, I, and outside I, of just attending homecoming, just, just outside attending homecomings, right? Homecoming. Right. <laughs> um, there, there, there is another way of increasing endowment, which is investing across the public and private markets, okay. right? And these give endowments the the ability to invest in these funds. Zeal uh, of the world's uh, shout out to Low Tony, a Plexico Capital, who also um, has done a great job. Uh, Base 10 um, Partners, who has an excellent um, uh, initiative to, uh, I believe they have about five or six other HBCUs as LPs in their funds. And uh, part of that carried interest is going back into not only the returns of the fund, uh, depending on their investment amount, but there's a portion of carried interest is going back into the uh, into HBCUs, HBCUs as well. And so we're coming up with these innovative models and, and providing access to the public and private market market fund focused funds to uh, you know, give HBCUs the opportunity to be part of high performing funds that will generate, uh, allow these endowments to increase their, uh, allow these universities to increase their endowments. And so it's really exciting and, I, and I, I'm dedicating uh, throughout the the, his, the 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 longevity of of zeal, I, I will always leave allocation room for um, not only Hampton University but um, all HBCUs who have an interest in joining Z, the future zeal funds. So I hope folks who are listening, who attended HBCUs or administrators at HBCUs, just heard what he just said. And I, I want to amplify a point and and use a different word, but it's, it's a summary of everything that Nasir's saying. But um, because I've worked at uh, several HBCUs, as, as, as our listeners know, and the word is intergenerational wealth and intergenerational equity. That, that's really what he's talking about is, is how do we make sure that 
that this, this wealth that we create has longevity to it. That's frankly what, uh, you know, if you look at the wealth of families in this country, that's what they have and they plan for it and they've done it. And that's how you can have a Harvard that has a, a $30 billion endowment because they thought through, this isn't about today, it's about tomorrow. And we've got to be, be more about that. But again, again, hope folks are listening that this is an opportunity to invest in a young man and who's, who's thinking about, you know, yes, how to create the next Google and how to create the next Uber and all those kind of cool things, but not just that, but how to do that with folks who don't who don't always look like the founders of some of those companies that, that we were just talking about. Which which brings me to man, the, the you, you know, time is time is a funny thing, and and you you said 2019, and I think that's how important that is. I want our listeners to hear this because you started down this path and started getting people interested in this concept. Prior to what happened in 2020, obviously uh, COVID, but more importantly, George Floyd and what I what I frankly call, you know, kind of the white guilt money that that kind of came 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 out of, of what happened before. But you started before that became, you know, because every time I turn on my LinkedIn, somebody else is getting hired to run somebody's DEI at, at, at somebody's company. So you were right before that happened. Yeah. So tell me how you got ahead of that uh, and, and frankly, how you've taken advantage of that, of, yeah. of, of that momentum. Yeah, that that's that's uh let me be clear. I think I I'd be the first to raise my hand um amongst all of my peers and in 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 the uh all, all of my uh managers, particularly diverse managers, my peers, is that I, I don't think we would have raised, and I'm sure you agree with this as well, if it wasn't for unfortunately the tragic um Incident of George Floyd and the and and the uproar uh, that we've seen, or we probably haven't seen since the 1960s in terms of social unrest, and we probably would have raised 15, 20 million. In fact, my goal from the very beginning was 25 million. Wow, um, honestly, and I, I was content with that. But I do think there's a correlation between the two sectors that I. I spent all of 2019 and the past seven years investing, proactively investing in, and that's education technology, that's employment technology, that's people operations, HR tech. On the financial technology side, that's areas like rethinking credit access expansion, like, like rethinking FICO scores, yep. new forms of uh, affordable infrastructure tools for new and small businesses, thinking about um, new savings and wealth creation platforms that could change the, the, the uh, consumer's financial behavior in terms of their relationship with money and how you think about investing. Now, those two sectors, coincidentally, were actually pivotal, highlighted, accelerated, businesses accelerated across those areas during the over, over the past uh, year. Many can argue the food and, and the healthcare space as well, for sure. But think about distant learning and um, and resources that support again uh, the, the small small businesses that were having a challenge having challenges staying afloat. Yeah. Um, there there was a there was and then on top of that there was we noticed a huge market opportunity, given that a lot of these small companies adoption rate increased. And so, and on top of that, we were able to, we knew where to find those entrepreneurs. We, we already have relationships um, from 
from our time at 18, my time at AT&T and Bill Cap, And then, and then of course, my, my, my broader team, I had, um, I, I have, uh, you know, two incredible EIRs who, who, who were pro That's entrepreneurs in residence for folks that don't know entrepreneurs in residence. Well, well in this case, we actually coined ah. our, our executives in residence. Executive I, I, in residence. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I, uh, pay homage to their, to their experience and, and, and to, in, in both spaces. So I, for them, I, I, I was okay with saying, uh, um, executive in residence, but you're right to your listeners usually is EIRs is for entrepreneurs and residents. And then I have a rock star seat, senior associate and Andy Will and an incredible uh, operator and researcher and, and Nikki Wardlaw um, and, and, and my CFO we wouldn't be where we are today without Cheryl and Cassiano Williams, who uh, one of the senior executive at KKR who led the uh, family office of Henry Kravitz and the, all the New York general partners. Yeah. And of course, a rock star um, uh, uh, advisory board who has domain and operating experience across the uh, future of work, uh, financial services, racial and economic equity and impact investing. And so that that the infrastructure was 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 also incredibly important um, as well. But um. But yeah, that was important to kind of to highlight that um, as well. No, so we, again, because um, we could talk all day, and I know we don't get together, so we can't really talk. But I, I, you, you, you said a couple of times, and I want you to want you to spend time to our listeners, the role that mentors, advisors, and coaches have played in your career, and, and you talked about your advisory board. I think it's important for people to understand, and 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 I and I'll maybe sway the jury a little bit. In that, I, I like to talk, and I was just actually was on a podcast talking to folks that find you an advisor and a, and a coach that looks like you and doesn't look like you, um, and comes from your background and doesn't come from your background. You, you got to have because you want an advisor who is going to challenge you, give you good guidance, introduce you to networks that you but for could not get into, uh, but also provide you a. a a sense of where you really are and where you could be. Yeah. No, Troy, God rest his soul, one of my biggest mentors. I get a little choked up sometimes when I when I when I, when I talk about him. But you know, Vernon Jordan uh, uh, was one of my uh, closest mentors. I I was a decades, uh, you know, age age gap, but I, I learned so much from him um, in terms of his business acumen yeah. and and his and his focus on. This year, it's when you when you come out of Hampton, you know, when you you know early in your career, you know this whole uh, learn, earn, return buckets mm-hmm. across life, and um, when you're learning, you're learning to gain a solid skill set to be known for something, and um, and then when you are earning, he focused a lot. You need to a point where whether you have domain expertise, you have social and or even financial capital, you focus on uh, you know. To whom much is given, much is required. So you 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 return by mentoring others. So I've always uh, made time and made it a point to mentors because he and uh, and others um, and Ray McGuire is another and George mm-hmm. Russell is another um, that lean into me, uh, poured everything into me um, to, to give me the confidence to, to 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 be where I am today, both personally and professionally, and then. And then, and then, uh, you know, learn, earn. Uh, <laughs> All right. Actually, I had it backwards. So, uh, 
uh, earning is is when you're you're gaining your your, your right. financial and personal capital and social capital returning. Excuse me, is when you're you're doing most of your mentoring um, because now you know you've developed uh, uh, a solid um, you know social rolodex and and you, you you again going back to who much is given, much required. But um, but yes, the the you know mentorship. Troy play has played a, a critical role in my life. And um, that's, uh, that's, that's something that I will continue to do uh, throughout my, my life on this earth. I like your words because I, I use them too. It's a poor, someone's poured into me. And so therefore I have to pour into others. And, and it is that going on and, and being able to pour on. So man, as, as we close out, once you uh, a little bit more commercial on zeal, how can folks know more about zeal, where do they need to go and the types of, uh, you know, where you invest in the continuum and the type of industries you invest in. You've mentioned yeah. a couple, but just to repeat some of that so folks would know. Yeah, so share some portfolio construction and how we think about it. So, so we are uh, focused on backing about 25 to 30 companies over a four-year period, which means we'll make about five to eight investments uh, per year. Um, our, we, we invest in early stage businesses, preferably tech-enabled, that are at the intersection or between our future of work sectors uh, with a focus on skills, right? So the companies that are focusing on narrowing the skills gap between education and employment. Yep. These are companies that are also selling into post-secondary into workforce. So we're not investing in K-12 companies. We're also investing in companies across the financial technology sector that have a direct focus around wealth um, and, and, and providing products and services that help consumers, families, communities, and small businesses um, ensure that their you know, you know, wealth, focus on wealth generation, whether it's yep. rethinking FICO scores or uh, new forms of uh, financial manager platforms, you name it. The, in pre-seed, we invest in pre-seed companies. Uh, average check size ranges between 250 to $500,000. And for our uh, C to series A companies, uh, we're, we'll uh, underwrite anywhere between $500,000 to 1.3 million is our sweet spot. About 10 to 18 million uh, post money valuation is our sweet spot around valuation. And um, and yeah, if you if you want to learn more, I one on the one hand, I'm very open in, in sharing my email address is nasir at zlbc.co. But of course, you can also uh, find this on social media. Um, at at ZLVC um, on all social platforms. You can also go on our website at zlvc.co. Of course, you can find me on me personally on social media at Nasir Kadri as well. Um, but again, Troy, thank you so much for for thank your. Thank you, brother. All so, when's know. the next marathon, brother? When's the next marathon? Denver, October sixteenth. October sixteenth. So next month. So no COVID has has COVID impacted your training and, and ability to run. It has, you know, I, I, I haven't been, um, I haven't been uh, running long distance as much. Um, I think when, one of the things when you run at least three or four marathons, you just try to maintain your, your from that point, you just maintain good shape and, and, and running constantly. But um, I'm, I'm just starting to focus on this next marathon, but I'm very much excited. Uh, I think this is going to be probably a tough one. A, I haven't run, I haven't run a marathon in just under two years. And then B, uh, you know, Denver has high elevation. So elevation. Run, running with your mask on is great practice for me. <laughs> 
God bless you, brother. But look, continue to do what you do. Continue to be who you are. Continue to make the impact that you will do. Um, I appreciate you, your time today. I appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, again, this is Troy Lamel Stovall, the CEO of Tedco. Thanks again. You know, everybody enjoy your white. You know, get out your white. Like Nasir said, you can wear your white after Labor Day. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Nasir. Thank you, Troy. Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest, Nasir Qadri, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on Tedco and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to Tedco Talks.